Author's note. This is probably the darkest chapter yet. All the implied non-con, torture, gaslighting, and severe disassociation takes place in this chapter. Please take care of yourselves, dear readers and listeners, and skip ahead to the end notes where we summarize if this is triggering for you. In this house, we support self-care. Chapter 19. This child is not dead yet. Zuko does not die by Azula's hand that day. But he does not live either, not in the true sense of being alive. He snarls and spits and fights back. He never gives up without a fight. But then large hands drag him down and poke something into his skin, and Zuko drops. He thinks of blue eyes, the betrayal and outrage in them clear, and is glad he blocked Sokka out before he was taken, because this kind of pain feels like all his blood vessels and nerves are on fire. Zuko actually kind of thinks he died, just a little. He blacks out, and when he wakes up, Zuko is deep in the bowels of stone and earth, where he can no longer feel Agni's rays. His limbs are shackled, but even if they weren't, Zuko feels too diminished and his mind too clouded with whatever drug they've administered for him to move. Zhao comes for him, as Zuko had known he would. Some days he howls from broken bones and agonizing burn scars, but those days are preferable to the days he's forced to scream for other reasons. Zuko pulls up his mental barriers and retreats deep within himself. The gold-blue thread of the soul bond continues to glimmer in the dark. For the most part, Zuko doesn't see it. His eyes may not be blind, but they are sightless to everything except his mind. This is where it's safest. The soul bond and everything it entails feels like another lifetime. For another boy who had a chance at freedom. Not Zuko. But some days, the burns, lashings, and discomfort is too palpable for Zuko to slip away, and Zuko is dragged back to acknowledge his reality, and it is a terrible one. These are the days when the thrum of the soul bond gives him some comfort. Every so often, sensations and thoughts drift close enough that it breaks through the surface of the wall Zuko's put up in his mind. He feels the ghostly impression of warm hands tugging and desperation drifting from the other end and dares to think that maybe someone is looking for him. Only. Zhao's face is the one that materializes, and the one Zuko recognizes. Sometimes Zuko dreams. He dreams of Agni's rays falling upon a turtle duck pond, highlighting a wolf tail, laughing blue eyes and a teasing smile, trading fire lily and spirit stories. The feeling of acceptance and non-judgment and he dreams of a world where such a reality could have been his. Zhao mouths at Zuko's neck, his caress always followed by cruelty, his embrace a mockery of the gentleness Zuko remembers. There is no courtesy here, only demands. I've missed your body, Zhao whispers into his skin. Zuko closes his eyes, even as Zhao both orders and coaxes them open, and lets himself drift. He knows it's a dangerous game, to let himself fade away like this. But awareness comes with the risk of being reduced to moaning and begging for something he is made to feel he wanted, the way Zuko had spent years chasing even a scrap of father's approval. Zuko doesn't want to face the truth of what he's been reduced to, and so he loses himself. Rough hands palm at his bony frame, nothing like the tentative but protective embrace from calloused hands Zuko sometimes thinks he remembers. Zuko shivers and lets himself fade. Sometimes, Zuko thinks Azula visits. 
These times are when he's most certain he's dead, and in some version of his own everlasting punishment. Because Azula visiting makes no sense to him. Azula was the perfect soldier and daughter. She valued efficiency and hated waste. If she hadn't carried out father's orders and killed off Zuko, that meant she had no more use for him, both alive and dead, because even his death didn't have any function to play in her schemes. When he asks her one rare day, if all this is real, Azula just looks back in the way that tells Zuko she is slightly lowering her current appraisal of his intelligence. Real or not, you're seeing and living in it, so that makes it real, she tells him. Such a dum-dum, Zuzu. Zuko wonders what Azula sees, wonders whether it was real that her voice had hitched when calling him by his childhood name. I'm dying, Zuko realizes one day, and he welcomes it. He wonders if he might have said it aloud, because Azula's lips twist, and her eyes narrow the way they used to when they were children, and she'd heard something not to her agreement. He wonders which part of his may be spoken she disagrees with. Or maybe it's all of him, like always. Don't be pathetic, Zuzu, Azula says. Even a weakling like you should die in better conditions than this. I'm dying, Zula, Zuko coughs. Sorry for leaving you alone. He tries to say it aloud, but he's so weak and dizzy, and if he closes his eyes for a bit, maybe this will go away. He's glad the words don't make it out of his mouth. Azula will probably be happy to become an only child anyway. Enough time passes that Zuko's hair grows into curls falling around his face. Xiao laughs about honor and Zuko's loss of it. He taunts even as he holds down Zuko's weakened body in chains even as he attempts to make Zuko scream, whether from forced pleasure or torment. Zuko can't tell which is which anymore. He doesn't think he cares. He lets himself drift further, dream of a day when honor isn't upheld in a topknot, but in conduct. Dark-skinned hands tuck a fire lily along with a wild strand of hair behind the shell of Zuko's scarred ear, the gesture so gentle it hurts Zuko more than if he'd been hit. In a moment of weakness, he lets himself slip to his dream world. He can hear Aang and Uncle playing Pai Show in the background, and even thinks he hears Katara and Azula sniping at each other. Sokka grins at him, teasing and fond. And Zuko can't help but smile back. In that moment, with sunlight falling across the courtyard and illuminating Sokka's gorgeous blue eyes, Zuko fully realizes the emotion in his heart, and he should back away. He really should. But he had so few good memories and so little left. Could he indulge in this dream just once? I wish we could stay here, Zuko murmurs. Sokka tugs him closer, fretting their fingers together with a tenderness in a way that makes Zuko flush lightly. Why can't we? he asks. Zuko thinks. Because... His thoughts seem to resist the formation of logic. Because... I can't let you feel this. I can't let you get hurt, too. Sokka's smile fades. Zuko? A dark cloud passes over the sunlit pond. Zuko's expression slips away, along with his fragile tranquility. The turtle ducks squawk and scatter from their mother. Turtuck and Ductal begin to attack each other. Sokka's warm gaze morphs to an urgency that wasn't there before. I'm sorry. Zuko, you gotta let me in! Zuko lets his fingers fall from Sokka's, and the familiar, unwelcome chill begins to seep in. 
He feels colder than before. Zuko, wait! Come back! Let me in! Warmth and color seeps away. Cold darkness, like the place Agni cannot touch, takes its place. Zuko shudders, suddenly nervous. That's it. Let me in, a low voice murmurs. Does it feel good, my prince? Zuko screams. Zhao wants him humiliated, begging and broken and reduced to less than nothing. Zuko spits and struggles and fights back until he can't anymore. Then he chooses defiance by fading into nothing. He thinks Azula approves, even as she continues to tell him off for being weak. He misses Uncle and his crew, and Sokka and even Aang and Katara, and wonders who and what memories of them had ever been real. The gold-blue thread continues to thrum in the background. Sometimes it even throbs like a physical sensation mapped into his skin, tugging and tugging. But Zuko doesn't know who it's calling. Zuko never visits the turtle duck pond again.